Um, in truth, <clears throat> I get really bored of doing finance talks in, in truth. The theme today is Numa Church's family. Um, I don't know how many finance talks I've given over the years, and um, they're really, they can often just be really dull. Because people just say, oh, I can't afford to tithe. And I say, well, you can't afford not to. Well, that's the end of that talk. Uh, you know, well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, that's okay. The New Testament takes everything in the Old Testament, takes it up a level. Old Testament was 10%. So you take whatever number you want if you don't believe in tithing. You can go higher if you want. Oh, well, I only give when the Holy Spirit tells me. Well, he's told you to. Oh, there you go. This is, see, this is the talk over. It's done. It's done. I, I can persuade you of everything. Because I am, I am an absolute, complete devotee to the money that I get given. I take at least 10% and go, God, I long, I long for you to have this back. Not I have to. Not, not that. I attach my faith to it. And I say, God, have, have it. I want you to have it. I know things are a bit tight. Do you know what I honestly would do? I'd sell my car before I stopped tithing. Not because it's a legalistic thing, but because God says, test me in this. If you don't, see if I won't even throw open the windows of heaven and the storehouses. You'll have so much you don't know what to do with it. And I could tell you story after story after story of people who haven't got enough. And what do we do? We work in an upside down kingdom. Jesus says, if you need more, give some away. Rob DeLuca said, as a church, you need more money. Give more away. But we don't. We do what the world does. We start hoarding it. We start bringing it in. I'm not going to give as much there. I'm not going to do as much. I'm going I'm I'm to make sure I have enough. And what I've got down here is just a stack of Bible verses. Um, and I'm really waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell me where to start. So let's start here. Uh, And if it's wrong, I'll put it down to him. So it says, um, this is Haggai. It's a little book at the end of the Old Testament. And it's talking, um, it's a set of, they're often called the minor prophets, which I think is a bit harsh. But um, (laughs) anyway, and and it's uh, uh, prophets were raised, anyone now can prophesy. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. At the time, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. So God would raise up a prophet who would be able to speak to his people. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to this people. Um, And it says, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but aren't warm. You, only, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And this is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains, bring down till timber and build the house so that I might take pleasure in it. And be honoured. So what's happening here is the people were saying, well, I'm putting a jumper on, but I'm still cold. I'm earning my money, but I still haven't got enough. I'm paying my gas bill, and now it seems they want more. 
And God says, paraphrase, and I'm moving it into the New Testament, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. You don't need to worry about what you're going to wear. You don't need to worry about this, that, and the other. And we're in a time in this country where people keep talking about a potential recession. I've got some brilliant news for you. There is no recession in heaven. There isn't one. God is not going, oh my word, potential recession, what on earth are we going to do? Anyone, anyone up here got any ideas? I'm, I'm all out. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. It's just not the way God is. It's not the way heaven is. And we want on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> on earth as it is in heaven. If there's no recession up there, we don't have to have a recession down here. Well, there, there is one, Chris. doesn't have to be one in your life. Which voice are you listening to? <coughs> BBC, government, or the government? It depends where we then attach ourselves. This is a good word right here. Yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. This is great. And so what, what God is saying here is... You can't hoard it for yourselves in the hope that you'll have enough if you're not giving it away. We often say, we sometimes do a giving declaration, um, and it says in Luke chapter 6 about give, and it will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's not specifically in that context when you read around it, particularly talking about money, but it does apply to money. Give, and it will be given back to you. This is an upside-down kingdom. We don't have more by holding on to it. We have more by sowing it and giving it. bit of King James for you. Galatians, whatsoever a, ma- whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reapeth. Oh, it sounds so much better in King James, that does. Whatever you sow, that's what you'll reap. If you need more friends, go out and be one. That's what that means. If you need to see more mercy in your life, go out and be merciful. If you need to see more money in your life, go and give some. It's the upside down kingdom. We need to not hold on. Now, we do these declarations. And um, we were told many moons ago by a prophetic word that when money starts to flow into this place, it might look like prosperity, but that's okay, do it anyway. And do I believe in the prosperity gospel? That's a brilliant question. And I'm about to give a sound bite that someone could take out of context. Absolutely, I believe in the prosperity gospel. There is no other type. Read your Bible. There is no other type. What's happened is people have abused it and they've taken it to mean certain things. Prosperity means more than enough. If you're praying to have enough, then you're being self-centered. Some of you needed to write that down. If you're praying for enough, you're being self-centered. We've got access to all the resources of heaven. Why are you praying for only enough? I would say, being bold, 
That's selfish. I'm looking after myself. God says, it doesn't work like that. I've asked you to be salt and light. I've asked you to bring life to Ashford and beyond. The overflowing, abundant life. If we're being all miserly and all tight and, oh, you don't understand the season we're in, what does that say about our God? That he's broke? That he's running scared? He heard Quasi in the week and he's like, oh, what's the UK going to do? God's not scared and he's not broke. There is, an, there is a posture of our hearts towards him. And it's not, we don't give in order that it gets given back to us. But God has said, if, if you give, if you can take it as a tithe if you want. Tithe in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, you can look it up later. He says that people are robbing him. Will a man rob God? And the the Israelites come back to him and say, rob you? How can you rob God? And he said, because you're not giving the tithe. Now, some of you might say, tithe's Old Testament. I don't agree in the tithe. Tithe is really simple. You earn 30 grand a year, you give three grand. It's it's really simple. It's it's a a 10%. It's modelled in the garden. So what happened in the garden, right back at the beginning, right back in Genesis, we'll go chapter 2, don't worry about all the creation bit for a minute. In the garden, there were... So many trees, so many plants, so many everything that they could need. But there was a tree. God said, don't eat of that one. Do you know why that tree was there? Because if not, they couldn't choose God. You can't choose God if you haven't got the option to choose something else. And God wants to be chosen. And God wants to be chosen. Don't we? I want to be chosen. I was telling someone earlier in the week, if I were the only man left on earth, and Nick came to me and said, well, I'll do a favour, jog I don't want, I want someone to be with me who isn't choosing me. Do you? I don't. And God doesn't. He wants us to be able to choose him. There has to be the other tree in the garden. Anyway, slight digression. You can have that free. So, um, what happened was, God gave them everything in the garden. Imagine if you, and the reason I keep turning around is because I'm picturing this in my head. I'm now going to let you in to what's going on in my head. Ten apples lined up along the stage like this. Oh, glass beads, I'm coming onto those. Ten apples lined up across the stage. God says, I'm giving you these ten apples. And there's plenty more where that came from. But as you turn the apples round, one of them's got a red dot on it. And God says, that one's mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what you need to do. I don't need your apple. But I do need your heart. Are you going to choose me? Or are you going to choose to hoard? Are you going to choose me? Or are you going to choose to be self-sufficient? And so he says, there's plenty more where that came from, but it's going to be a trust issue. Because giving is essentially of the heart. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's what love does, it gives. So if you're being tight, and I'm not saying you are, I I have no idea whether, only you will know whether you're being tight, not being generous, then actually your problem is you have a love deficiency. This is good. Yes, Chris. 
this is really good. I'm, honestly, I'm like, this is great. I, none of this is written down. This is really good. I'm going to watch this back. Take some notes. <clears throat> so giving, this is written down. Giving, when accompanied by faith, opens a relational door. Because I'm stopping being self-sufficient and I'm trusting God. And in times like this, when we're seeing what's going on in the world, we're seeing the stuff that Putin is doing, we're seeing stuff with gas pipelines, we're seeing post-Brexit, we're seeing prices go up, we're seeing utilities having to be capped. All the things that are going on, honestly, you can just read the news, and if you didn't feel depressed before it, you certainly will after it. And God says... I am more than enough. Don't you think I know about your gas bill? This hasn't caught me out. I knew this was coming since before time even began. And I'm not caught out by it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Consider the lilies of the field. They'd either sow nor reap, yet your heavenly father clothes them in glory. And this is a challenge for us. And here's the biggest challenge, and I'm going to speak directly to you. This is my opinion. I've totally backed it up from the word. You can get the ache with me if you want. If I'm about to be short on money, I don't pull back on my giving. I go the other direction. I go the other direction. I give more. I will not become self-sufficient over money. And if you think that I am trying to, trying to get you in any way to give me your money, I don't need your money to live. I rely on my giving for my living, not your giving. That's what I rely on. Do I get a salary from here? Sure, I get a salary from here. And I'm really, really grateful for that salary from here. My dependence isn't on the salary from here. My dependence is on him and my relationship with him. <clears throat> Are you living based on your giving? What if, what if prosperity, I heard someone say this last week, what if prosperity got redefined as you were defined, your level of prosperity was measured by your level of Generosity. They are some of the richest people in the world, some of the most generous. We've seen some people come through here over the years. Some of the homeless guys particularly. I remember one chap. I won't say his name. Um, but I remember him coming through here. And he, did some, he came and gave some money. And to the best of my knowledge, he gave us 37p. And he literally emptied his pockets out. That was all he had in the world. That was all he had. And he literally gave everything. That must have absolutely made Father's Day. I cried. Not in front of him, because I didn't want to embarrass him. But like later on, oh God. He doesn't even know where his next meal's coming from. And he's just given everything he had. I could give you facts and figures 
<clears throat> about what goes on here. Um, apparently, we make about somewhere around 750 cups of tea and coffee a week. Our utility bills have gone up here. Of course they have. It costs us about three grand a year just to stream and get the message out there. But do you know how many people watch it? Do you know the, we know the, some of the stories of people who watch and connect. So we, as a church, we have all these bills. I'm really not going to bore you by telling you all the bills that we have. If you really want to know, speak to Chris Tatton. He's got all the facts and figures at his fingertips. <laughs> and he will tell you any of them. Right now... Right now, that's just not the point. God's saying, we keep having this thing about the river. We keep having this thing about the lazy river um, where God says, just hop in. My Holy Spirit will lead you wherever you need to go. That's, that sounds great, Jesus. Can we just not go through my wallet on the way? Can the lazy river just <laughs> bypass my wallet? It's the last place salvation seems to reach. And do you know why? Because we're just so dependent on looking after ourselves can't have my money. <laughs> my money says food. I tell you what, you can have a tenner. No, I'm going to be really generous, okay? I, I, I'm going to make it 20. Thank you. Little giving pot that hangs there. And God says, what a great start. I love that. Let me release you from the shackles of being self-sufficient. Even back in Exodus, <clears throat> back in the Old Testament, we see uh, the Ten Commandments. And one of them is not coveting your neighbor's ass. I prefer donkey these days, less confusing. And not coveting your neighbor's donkey, not coveting your neighbor's wife. And God isn't telling people off. God's saying, I'm your provider. You want a donkey? I'll get you a donkey. You want a wife? I'll get you a wife. That's what God says. That's what, that's what it means there. You don't need to covet something someone else has. Why do you not need to steal? Why are you stealing? He's your provider. You don't need to steal anything. I know this is uncomfortable, but it's great, isn't it? It's really great. There is definitely... I didn't bring mine with me, but there definitely... Oh, I did. It's in my bag. I won't bother. Uh, there definitely is a connection between opening our wallet and opening our heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also, right? Matthew 6, I think, somewhere around there. <clears throat> where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There's something about the releasing of finance that says to God, ah, and now I'm trusting you. How much money can you have that's too much? Personally, I'd love to be a millionaire because then I can give it away. Right, But how much money is too much? The amount that you have where you stop trusting in God and start trusting in your bank balance. And for some of us, that's probably only a grand, in which case we have a love deficit again. Sometimes we can have enough money coming in, and I don't mean loads, I mean enough. We can have enough money coming in that actually I don't need to particularly rely on God, all I need to do is frantically pray in a slight panic, I don't lose my job type thing. That's what our prayer becomes. And God says, oh, please don't rely on your salary for me to provide for you. 
That's one job. I can find you a load of others. Oh, yeah, but God, I mean, have you, have you read? I mean, jobs are just being lost down here. He said, it's all right. I've got loads up here. You don't think I can get you a job? You don't think I can get you provision? I've had people in the past, I've had people when I've been virtually no money. I've had people who have turned up with bags of shopping at my door. Years and years and years and years ago, 25, must be, years ago, the car that I was in ran out of petrol. I had literally no money other than one pound. I didn't even have enough to buy it to get the car there. I didn't have enough to get the container to bring back to the car. So do you know what I did? I lobbed it into a field. I said, God, I know this isn't what you mean by sowing and reaping, but there's no one I can even give the money to around here. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I lobbed it into the field. I get a phone call within five minutes from a friend. And they say, you're doing okay? I say, well, I'm in a bit of an interesting predicament. Well, I felt to ring you up. Can I give you 10 pounds? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So listen, one thing we've got to finish. One thing I would really love to release people from. Sometimes people, shall I say that? Yeah, no, it's it's more than one thing, Ruth. It's it's all controversial because people are just so prickly over money. It's the, of, of Jesus' top 50 subjects to teach, money's number four. We hardly ever talk about it here, so consider yourself letting off lightly. Kingdom, father, faith, money. Number five, Satan. In all the subjects that Jesus taught. So sometimes what happens is you can, you can tithe and still totally miss the mark. If you're tithing or you're looking to give and you're saying, uh, do, you, do you give it after tax or do you give it before tax? You've missed the point. You've totally missed the point. God's not saying, well, if you give it before tax, I'm, I can't help you. I mean, honestly, you've put yourself outside of my reach. Of course not. I hear people say, well, listen, I give my money to other places. So do I. That's good. Malachi talks about tithes and offerings. I don't know whether you think that's true. Maybe it was rubbed out by Jesus. There isn't actually evidence that Jesus particularly rubbed it out. He did, he did tell the um, Pharisees off. Matthew 23, I think it is. If you want to make a note, look it up. I can see you're all frantically scribbling. Um, I know you're all actually got one hand on your wallet. He's not going to get to it. <coughs> and in there... Jesus corrects the Pharisees. He says, you give a tenth of your cumin and your dill and your mint, but you actually forget the greater things, things like mercy. And he corrects them for not being merciful. He doesn't correct them for tithing, but it doesn't matter. If you, if you feel tithing is Old Testament, that's absolutely good. In that case, if you go to Corinthians and have a look in there, it talks a lot. 2 Corinthians 9, if you want to make some notes, 1 Corinthians 16, we haven't got time to go there, about giving what you feel you should in proportion to what you get. So this is my rule of thumb for tithing. I am not telling you what to do. This is my rule of thumb. Nick and I challenge ourselves each year to try and increase from 10%. I would like to get to the stage where I'm effectively reverse tithing. 
I'd love to be able to do 90% and then I just keep 10%. That's where I'd love to get to. It's like an ambition. We set it honestly as a little bit of a fun challenge. Can we, can we squeak it up another 50 quid? Can we squeak it up another little bit more and just see where we get to? Because God says, test me in this. He says that in Malachi. Test me in this and see if I will not. Do I have those moments where I think, wow, that is, that is quite a lump of money. Imagine what I could do with that. Yeah. I do. Do you know what? I don't have to give it at all if I don't want to. No one's making me. I want to. Why would I not want to? Why would I not want to be giving? I love it. I love it. And Nick and I, at the moment, we're trying to free up other little bits of money outside of our giving to here that means we can give to other people and other things. And I know some of you guys are super generous. and You already do some of that stuff. We're trying to do it more and more. But there's a, you know, do I give it here? Do I give it somewhere else? Here's a story. There's um, a guy who lives in a street. And um, the, the, the wife is, um, as it happens in, in this case of this story, she's a housewife, a high calling if ever there were one. And the man goes out <clears throat> and he... he as it happens, he's the breadwinner in this household situation. He's got a reasonable job. He earns 45 a year, above average salary, does okay. You go into their house and it's freezing because they can't afford to put the heating on. And you look at what they're eating and there's nothing wrong with pot noodles, but they're having pot noodles again, four nights in a row, pot noodles. Maybe just toast. Like, and the wife says... Where's all the money going? And he says, oh, I've been giving it all to some people down the street. I've been giving it all to some people over there. You'd think, that's a bit squiffy, isn't it? It's a bit weird. Like, do, do we not, would God not call us to provide for our family first type thing? Like, it doesn't mean don't. Give outside. Oh, like, absolutely don't give outside. And it doesn't mean you can't do a fun thing with your family where we say we're going to eat toast for a week and give the money away. Brilliant. Great idea. I love that. So I can't tell you to give. I don't want to persuade you to give. I don't want to persuade you to tithe and give 10%. If you're not going to attach any faith to that 10%, here's some advice. Don't bother. Just don't bother. It really helps us, like as a church, because we have bills to pay, but it's not going to help you. If you're not, you're not going to attach any faith to it, and you're literally just going to not even write, write a check. <laughs> Old school. Next, next is going to be the card machine. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, like that. Um, but like a, a standing order. If you don't attach faith to your standing order, your standing order should be a standing order of faith, predominantly. Oh, gosh, we've got to finish. So sorry, Chrissy. But I would encourage you, to go home and say to God, talk to me. Talk to me, talk to me. My advice to you is if you're short of money, do not pull back on your thing. That would be my best advice to you. You can do it if you want. There's no condemnation. If that's your choice, go for it. That'd be my personal advice to you. Don't do it. Give and it will be given back to you. 
This is what we do. We've got giving now that we need to do. When we make these declarations, we haven't even got time for the declaration today. If the baskets and whatever can come around, help yourself to a chocolate. So as the baskets um, come round, don't worry, you don't have to do something now. There should be some envelopes as well. Where are the envelopes, Chris? There is, with, the with the baskets. So you can take an envelope out, have a read of that. We want to be a generous people. Here's the thing. I didn't preface it with this, so instead I'm going to close with this. We are praying for 24 people to say yes to Jesus, 24 grand more. In truth, we probably honestly need probably more like 50, but we're going for 24 because it's 24 and 24. And more miracles. So every one of these, so far, I've literally just started, represents a miracle. If you've had a miracle, please come and put a bead in the jar. We're not going to ask you what you consider a miracle. If you consider you've seen a miracle, like in your life in the last month, please come and put a bead in. We want to get this full. I've got 400 here. I'm about to order 800 more. That's 100 100 miracles a week, right? 100 miracles a week. But the thing about the 24, this is why this talk has happened. Because I've been saying to God, God, I know that you can do 24 grand. I refuse to stress over money. I know that you are our provider and everything else. And I felt this check in here. Not a writing check, not a money check, a check in my spirit. Something's not right. Something's not right. And I've, in the end, I've broken through and I've got, I've got with God. And having prayed and fasted, there is something about us that if we want to see the provision of God, there's something about us where we need to position our own personal finances differently, perhaps, to how we are. So effectively, this is hyperbole, right? We're all being absolute tightwads and giving one pound a week. I'm making this up. And then we're all going, God! We need 24 grand. Come on, God, you can do this. And he said, if only I could get it out of your pockets. I can't get it out. You've locked your wallet down behind unbelief and a lack of trust. Oh, but God, we need 24 grand. He says, I know you do. I've got 24 million for you when you sort your hearts out. That's what he says. And so I didn't, we hadn't even planned to do like a giving talk. But God said, unless you sort out your hearts over trust and over faith and over finance, I can't just move in and keep giving you money because all you're going to do is you're going to keep living in your poverty mindset ways and keep expecting me to bail you out. He says, I've given you everything for life and godliness, everything you could ever need. Jesus died on the cross and won complete victory. We have the full resources of heaven. And it's a heart issue. Money is a heart issue. Oh, come on. Just getting going, but we need to stop. Let's stand. God, thank you for talking to me about finance as I've spoken. Thank you for talking to us all, God. I pray that absolutely nobody in here or online feels obliged to give and feels duty-bound to give because of anything in any way I've said. I pray that people give because they feel a nudge from you and they give and they attach their full force of faith to their giving. That God, as you are so bountiful and abundant with us, you give us so much and we are sorry when we're tightwads. 
Help us to identify, God, when you're providing seed for the sower or bread for the eater. That's in brackets. Sometimes we just need that wisdom, God. I thank you that sometimes, Jesus, when you talk to us, you make our life pretty uncomfortable. We welcome that. Challenge our hearts. Help us to release faith, to release finance, to release trust. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week and remember your loved.